In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. One of the, uh, one of the major principles and tenets of the resurrection, one of the major principles of the resurrection that we always talk about is, is that everything has become new. Like we are a new creation. Um, we, we started out a certain way, and that through baptism, we have become a new creation. Um, and certainly we are being renewed day by day, all the time. Like the work of the Holy Spirit in us is renewing us all of the time. But sometimes we have a hard time of letting go of the things that have been before. right? Maybe we struggled with sin, we had a different life, um, we regret past mistakes that we made, or we have traumatic experiences that we dealt with in our, in our youth or in the past in any way. And that those things continue, like we carry them with us throughout our life, and we're unable to let go of them. Even maybe a sin that I confessed, and yet I still feel like it has a hold on me, and I define myself according to my sins or my mistakes or the, or the wrong things um, that I have done. I really like this verse of St. Paul to the Philippians where he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Really, in order to be successful in our spiritual life is that we have to accept forgiveness. You know, we talk a lot about forgiveness. We talk a lot about how God forgives us of our sins. And even though him forgiving us of our sins, for him is actually very easy. He's already paid the price of sin. And now when we ask him to forgive us of our sins, our sins are forgiven. But it's a much harder thing, much more difficult thing for me to accept the forgiveness. For me to realize that I truly am forgiven. That when I walk out of like my confession appointment, that I walk out feeling like I have no burden. Like everything is light. You know, when, when the Lord said that we place our burdens on him, right? And so we don't have to carry the burdens ourselves. Even St. Anthony, when he, was speaking about, um, when he was speaking about the spiritual life, he was saying about how every day for him was like a new, a new, new, a new life. He's not looking at all of the things in the past, but every day is, is like new. St. Athanasius, he wrote the biography of St. Anthony, and this is what he said about him. He said, he at least gave no thought to the past, but day by day, as it were the beginning of his discipline, applied greater pains for advancement. Meaning, for him, whatever happened yesterday, it's like it didn't happen. You know, sometimes we get into a habit like, you know, yesterday I messed up, so I'm not motivated to do any better today. Yesterday I, I made all these wrong choices. Yesterday I, I didn't pray like I was supposed to pray, or I didn't fast, or I didn't do whatever. And so today, well, I'm, I'm in a state of being messed up, so I'm going to continue being messed up, right? Whereas what St. Anthony is saying is every day is new, right? Forget what happened yesterday. Forget what happened in your past. Certainly we learn from what happened in our past. We learn from the mistakes that we made. We learn from the adversity that we experience in our life. But that pain and that suffering should not be what defines my life moving forward. Because we believe that the future is not the same as the past. Okay? So Christ offers us a new start. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Okay? However, even though maybe this is true on the day of our baptism, right, and we become new, as we begin to live, we begin to accumulate burdens, Right? We begin to carry things with us as we travel on this journey of life. And 
we, we, we begin to feel heavier and heavier and heavier. Even though we are new, we begin to feel old. We begin to feel like we are, we are not as new as we were. The scars and the pains and the wounds of life maybe is something that has traumatized us to the point where we feel like we, 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 we are so burdened with them that no matter what I do, I'm defining myself according to those things. Okay, so I want to speak about two categories of, of these burdens. The first one is the mistakes and the sins that we do in our life. And the second category of burden is the, um, the, 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 uh, the, like the traumatic experiences that happen to us. Okay, so first I will talk about these mistakes and sins that we commit in our lives. Okay, this could be immorality. It could be sexual sins that I committed. It could be the way that I deal with other people to drive them away, losing my temper, hating others, destroying relationships because of my weaknesses. It could be sins that I commit like stealing or cheating or other things, especially things that affect my relationship with other people, but not only those things, also just the way that it affects my relationship with God. Because someone who lives a long period of time in sin that is hidden, right? They begin to define themselves according to that sin, right? They're defining themselves according to that sin. This could also be wrong decisions or missed opportunities, choices that I made in my life that if I had made them differently, maybe life would have turned out to be different. Maybe, maybe I regret things that I did in the past, right? And I, and I can't get myself to get over it. And I dream and imagine and fantasize, if only, I had chosen differently. If only I had done something different. Maybe my life today would be far better than it is. And it's something that consumes my thoughts all the time. And I feel like, you know what? I'm on the wrong path. I, I could have, everything could have been so much better if I had made a different choice in the past. Also, it could be wasting time. You know, we had time to grow. We had time to read. We had time to um, build stronger relationships with people. And I wasted it. You know, I had this time. Now maybe I feel like my time is limited, right? I have so many responsibilities. I'm very busy. I, I don't have the time to do the things that I really want to do. But I had the time in the past, and I, I wasted that time. I didn't, I didn't use it in the right way. Maybe a person who, let's say, wasted their time, and instead of studying to, to be able to get the career that they want, they, they wasted the time. And in the end, they didn't get the career that they wanted. And the rest of their life, they feel like, you know what? I could have been something else completely. I could have... I could have been someone completely different. Maybe their spiritual life. Maybe in their youth, they had a lot of time. You know, the scripture says, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Maybe in my youth, when I had the time to build myself spiritually, to learn, to understand, to get closer to the church, to establish myself in my, in my relationship with God, maybe I wasted that time. And now I find myself older, and it's much harder for me to, to do it now. It's much harder for me. I have so many responsibilities. It's much harder to pray. It's much harder to fast. It's much harder to do those things. If only I had established those good habits when I was young, then maybe today I wouldn't have to suffer as much. We see many examples, actually, of people in the scripture and, and, and the history of the church, people who wasted time or people who lived a life making wrong decisions and wrong choices and committing sins, and we see how God was able to work with them. Okay, so a great example of this is St. Paul. We know St. Paul, he was Saul before he was killing Christians. You imagine you are someone who goes and kills Christians, right? That is your life. That is what you're doing. You're killing Christians. You're going around killing entire families of Christians. And you're doing it believing that this is the will of God. And you are so sure that this is what you are doing is right. 
And you can see that this is something that, that St. Paul never forgot, even after his conversion. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God I am what I am. Meaning, how is it that he was able to accept his mission? How is it that we look at him now as being, you know, he wrote 14 books of the New Testament. We look at him as being like the pinnacle of Christian leadership and Christian faith and, and Christian knowledge and understanding and preaching. Like we look to him as having every good quality, but inside of himself, he also never forgot of who he was and what he was before, right? And he says, I am the least. But what is the reason that I'm able to be who I am today? It is by the grace of God. Meaning he did it just wallow the rest of his life on his failures and mistakes and sins and how could I have done this and, you know, what if I had known and what if this... No, he said, I am I'm cleansed by the grace of God. I am no longer that person who I was before. I am now a completely different creation, right? And it is by the grace of God. And that is not an easy thing. That is not an easy thing at all. Imagine a person who, was, who, who, who lived their life this way now called to a completely different kind of life. The only way that St. Paul was actually able to live the life that God called him for was because he was what able to forget what was behind. He didn't attribute it to himself anymore. He learned from it, right? He learned from it. He gained humility from it, right? But he didn't identify himself with it. He's saying, I am not this person anymore. This person is dead, Right? This person is dead. I have accepted God's forgiveness for it, and I truly believe that I am forgiven, and I'm able to move forward and live according to his will and sacrifice and give because I, I, I experience the mercy of God. Actually, the people who live their life in sin and then come to a point where, where they are transformed, maybe those people more than anyone else really understand what mercy is. Right? They understand what it's like to receive mercy, and they know how to give mercy to others. Whereas those people who believe that they live their entire life in perfection, like the Pharisees, they don't know how to give mercy. They feel like, well, I've done all right. I've done everything I should do. Why can't you do everything that you should do? And instead, they place judgment on others. Okay. Another example is the prodigal son. Right? The prodigal son messed up. The father gave him everything. He had everything in his father's house. And he enjoyed being there. But he was unsatisfied. And he said, no, I'm going to take what is mine, and I'm going to leave, right? And I'm going to make a life for myself. But of course, we know he messed up his life. He lost everything. All the, 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 the immoral way of life that he chose to live, he ended up losing everything, okay? And so when he came back to his father, right, he said, what? Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer, no longer worthy to be called your son. Meaning what? I don't even see myself worthy in the relationship that I have with you anymore. I don't even consider myself a son anymore because of what I have done, the sins that I have sinned against you, right, and all that I have done. I'm so ashamed that my identity even has been destroyed. I am what? I'm a hired servant. You know, treat me as a hired servant. Treat me as a stranger. Treat me as you would anyone who, who you would pay a, a, a wage in order to work, right? But, of course, we know the father did not accept him as a hired servant but as a son. So, again, maybe we who have made a mess of our lives and committed whatever sins we committed, we are struggling to come back to God. We feel, I am ashamed even to return. How is it that I can return to him? Will he even hear my prayer? Right? Will he accept me? Right? And even if I were to return, is he going to accept me as a son or and a daughter, or is he going to accept me as a servant, as a hired servant? But the example of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us, 
is a beautiful example of the way that God sees us. He says, no, I've forgotten all that you've done. You know, don't, I'm not judging you for all that you have done, but actually today is a new day. Today is a new day. And actually, the, 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 the father threw a feast for his son. To me, the last thing that the son who returned would have expected, that his, that his father not only would accept him as a son, but that he would have a celebration. Even his older brother didn't understand. He said, how is it that you are, you're throwing the celebration for this son of yours that has wasted all your things, right? And the, son, the older son here represents the worldly mindset, maybe the mindset of the world who just wants to you know, pass judgment based on the sins we have committed. But the beautiful thing about our faith, the beautiful thing about our God, is that he does not do so. For those who choose to return and to repent, they are completely new. They are completely clean. There is nothing from the old that remains. And at no point ever in life would God point out, you remember when you did those things in the past that I'm going to hold it against you? He says, what, I will remember your sins no more. Right? It's a completely new life. We see this in the example of the prodigal son. King David. Okay, King David. We know the story of King David. We know that King David committed adultery and murder. And this was the darkest time in the life of King David in terms of his like spiritual life. Okay? And God sent Nathan the prophet to King David. In this sense, the the God never abandoned him. Even though King David was to suffer for the sake of the sins that he committed, but King David remained king. King David remained king. God still accepted him as king. When he sent Nathan to him, he told him the story and, and rebuked him. It says, Nathan said to David, you are the man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel. I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if that had been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Like God is telling him, I gave you everything. Why did you think to look beyond, beyond what I gave you? Didn't I give you enough? Didn't I give you everything that anyone could dream of? Why did you think to look beyond this and to try to get for yourself something else? Right? And yet despite his sin and his failure, King David remained king. Not only king, but the greatest king. The one whom every other king was compared the one whom when God would, would, would speak about, when one of the prophets would speak about the kings that were to come after King David, they would always compare him to King David and they would say about King David that, he, that God would say, he is a man after my own heart. Even after he committed adultery and murder, he is a man after your own heart. Again, we see the way that God sees things, the way that God evaluates things. Just because there was a time in my life where I made big, big mistakes and big failures, it doesn't mean that my, my life is done. It doesn't mean that, that, that my relationship with God is done. Actually, maybe my relationship with God is just starting. Maybe it is even stronger now because, again, I see the mercy of God. St. Augustine is another example. St. Augustine lived his life as a sinful youth, away from God, doing whatever it is that he wanted. But later in his life, he, he turned and he changed Right through the prayers of his mother who prayed for him for years and years and years. And this is what he wrote. He wrote this book called Confessions, where he essentially wrote his confessions. He wrote all of the failures, all the mistakes, all the things that he did. And this is what he wrote. He said, Too late have I loved you, speaking about God. O beauty, so ancient and so new, too late have I loved you. You were with me, and I was not with you. I was abroad, running after those beauties which you have made, those things which you could have which could have no being but in you have kept me away from you. He's saying the creation that you made, the, 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 the things that I lusted after, were the things that actually you made, 
So, but instead of seeking you, I sought your creation. I sought those things that you have made. But you see again in the life of St. Augustine, you see how he has regret of the past. He said, you know, I wasted my time. I could have spent my life so differently. And yet he didn't allow that to keep him from being very successful spiritually in his life and, of course, being canonized the saint, right, and being, being a, a bishop, right? So this is another example that we see in front of us, that someone lived their life in sin but yet was able to turn and change. Another example is St. Moses the Strong, okay? St. Moses came from a very sinful life and a very sinful background, and he went ended up becoming a monk. But even this conversion... Uh, of him to become a monk was not easy. It was not like a flip of a switch. It was not like one day he's a sinful man and the next day he's a saintly man. It says what? However, the devil fought him intensely with his old habits of excessive eating, drinking, and fornication. He informed St. Isidore about everything which came upon him in his fight with the enemy. So even in this process of change, it was a difficult process. It wasn't just a, an instant transformation. He lived a life that maybe would haunt him for the rest of his life. Right? He would always remember he would always remember. He would always have the memories and the images of the things that he had done in the past. But he now understood that he was a new creation. He was not the same person. And that God accepted him for who he was in the moment. Okay. Um, Psalm 32 it says, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Also, St. Athanasius wrote about St. Anthony. He said, He was also mindful of the words spoken by the prophet Elijah. As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely present myself to him today. For he observed that in saying today, the prophet did not compute the time that had gone by, but daily, as though ever commencing, he eagerly endeavored to make himself fit to appear before God, being pure in heart and ever ready to submit to his counsel and to him alone. Again, the idea that for St. Anthony, every day was new. Every day was new. Every day had opportunity. Every day had the potential for change. We don't have to define ourselves but the way that we were yesterday or last week or last month or last year. We can define ourselves in newness, the way that the, way that the, the Holy Spirit wants us to understand ourselves through the work of grace of God in us, that we are new every day. Every day we are renewed. And every day is the opportunity for change. So that was speaking about our sins our past failures and mistakes and sins? What about painful experiences that we've had in the past, traumas that we've had to live, and how do we let go of those things? Um, it could be failures, failure to accomplish a goal. Maybe a person really, really wanted uh, a specific job or a specific position or to marry a specific person, and it didn't happen, and they're left with sadness, the feeling that they missed a great opportunity, and it's a very painful experience that they that they had. Or maybe someone experienced abuse in their life, whether emotional or physical abuse in some way, not being accepted by their peers, rejection, um, different circumstances that brought a lot of adversity in their life, like having a dysfunctional family of some type, not being raised in the right way, public embarrassment, many other hardships that people can deal with in their life. And we find ourselves attached to these things. Even though these things maybe happened years and decades ago, we find that maybe they still define me. Who am I? I define myself according to the past. I don't define myself according to who I am today. This is also something that maybe we struggle with. How do we let go? How do we find newness in who we are? One of the best examples of this is Joseph the Righteous. You know, Joseph the Righteous, he was thrown into a pit by his brothers when he was young. And he was sold as a slave 
to by by traders to Egypt and he lived as a slave in Potiphar's house and he he suffered there in the house of Potiphar he was imprisoned and falsely accused of trying to seduce Potiphar's wife he went and he lived in prison for years and years and this whole ordeal from the beginning to the end was about 14 years happening to this young man okay and so he had every reason maybe according to our understanding to be um, to 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 be bitter toward God to be resentful toward him to 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 carry the trauma of all that happened to him the rest of his life and specifically directed to his brothers who are the cause of all of the pain that he experienced and it says in Genesis 37 after he rose to be the ruler of Egypt and after he had the opportunity to to help his brothers to help his family in the time of famine any one of us could have very easily said you know those brothers of his they don't deserve his help maybe this is God's judgment on them maybe maybe this is the this is the 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 avenging when God says I will avenge maybe this is the avenging you know that they are gonna suffer in the famine and die because of all that they did to, to, to their brother Joseph maybe this is how we would see it you know maybe many people would look at it that way but Joseph did not see it this way okay so it says so it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic this is what they did to him the tunic of many colors that was on him then they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty there was no water in it the suffering that he experienced but what happened with Joseph at the end is he offered his brothers even more than they asked all they were asking for was food he gave them food he gave them more food than they asked for and he invited them to come to live in Egypt and to have a special place in Egypt for them to dwell him and them and their whole families and their children and their wives and everyone if Joseph was still living with the trauma of what they had done to him in the past then there is no way he was be able to serve them and to show them genuine love like this there would be no way you know like people get PTSD for far less than this you know, people, people suffer with the trauma of, of, of painful experiences in their life for far, far less than what happened to Joseph. And yet, because Joseph's heart was with God the whole time, and he never forgot God, it's like God eased his suffering and eased his pain, gave him mental health, that he was able to, even when the opportunity came, instead of being vengeful against his brothers, he was able to serve them, he was able to forgive them. And you know, even as his brothers, like, knelt down before him crying because of what they had done he said what you meant it to me for evil but God turned it into good he was even able to see the sin that they committed against him not even as evil as it being good can you imagine like the burden that would be on a, such a person who was vengeful against his brothers his his entire life for what they did to him and maybe even we feel like when we want revenge on someone that this is our right that this is our comfort that we feel hatred toward other people who harmed us feeling toward them that they deserve our hatred you know and there's there, there's no way that I will ever not hate them because of all that they did maybe I can't do anything to them maybe I can't touch them but I will at least hate them because this is going to make me feel better about my situation but actually in reality that hatred is what is the burden because yes maybe he was sold as a slave in the past maybe he was was thrown into a pit in the past maybe he was imprisoned in the past but now he is the ruler of Egypt he does not have to experience those pains that he had in the past. But if he still hated his brothers, it didn't matter what he got. It didn't matter if he was a ruler. It didn't matter if he was wealthy. It didn't matter anything. He would carry the trauma with him of all that happened to him in the past with him because of his hatred.
But because of the grace of God working in him, he let go of the hatred. And so he truly experienced God's blessings. Today, God is giving us blessing. Today, God is, is giving us so many good things that we should be grateful for. But we can't enjoy those things when all we are doing is living in the trauma of the past, living with what pains we experience in the past. Joseph got over it. He was able to, to show genuine love to his brothers. It doesn't mean that it didn't hurt. He actually cried when he saw them. It was difficult for him, right? doesn't mean that he had no emotion toward what happened to him or that it didn't matter. No, it was difficult, and it continued to be difficult. But he was not holding on to a grudge or to hatred or wanting vengeance against them. Instead, he saw that this was actually the plan of God. You meant it to me for evil, but God turned it into good. Right? He saw his life in the lens of the will of God. Yes, maybe we go through difficult things in our life, but instead of attributing those things to certain people and then feeling the desire to hate them for the rest of our life, Maybe instead we say, you know what, God allowed this in my life for some reason. It doesn't excuse it. doesn't mean that the people who did it to me are innocent. But God allowed it. God used it in some way for me. And certainly God used this situation for the salvation of the entire world. Because Joseph is the one who was able to store the food so that the whole world at the time would be saved from the famine. Joseph didn't know this. He didn't know this at the beginning. It only became clear to him at the end. And yet, during those 14 years, when he was suffering, he said, I believe, I trust that God is doing good. I trust that this is good for some reason that I don't understand. And certainly, it was revealed to him at the end why it was good and, and how he was able to serve everyone, even those people who, who, who got him into that situation to begin with. So Joseph is a perfect example of a man who was able to overcome the trauma of his past. Another example is the man born blind. This man born blind, okay, it says about him, now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. What, what Jesus is saying is that this man, God allowed him to be blind his entire life for this moment. This is the moment, the moment of his healing. This is the reason why this man was allowed to be blind for his entire life. And the disciples thought it was because of sin. They, they, they said, certainly, this man must have done something wrong. Someone, his parents did something wrong. Someone did something wrong. And that this trauma, this suffering, this disease that he had must be as a result of sin. Because it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. And God would never do such a thing if this man were good or if his parents were good. But Jesus revealed, no, actually it was not a bad thing. It was not because of sin. It was not a punishment. It was for the opportunity to glorify God so that everyone would see the glory of God, that everyone would believe in the Messiah and be saved. So this man who had been blind for decades, the reason was for this moment so that God could be glorified and people could be saved. So again, it gives us a perspective. Maybe the traumas that we experience in our life, there is reason, there is purpose. Even if I don't know the purpose, and I don't know the reason, and I'm not sure why this is happening. And maybe for the rest of my life, I will not know. And yet, God knows. God knows that there is reason, right? But if we live the rest of our life under the burden of the pain, of the painful experiences that I had, maybe I will not appreciate this answer. Maybe when, when, when God comes to us and says, why is it that... 
Why is it that you suffered? You suffered to glorify me. Maybe we will curse him in that moment and say, I don't want to glorify you. I just want to see. Why are, you, why are you not allowing me to see? Right? So this is, again, on us, the way that we see our life, the way we see the pain. Are we really willing to glorify God even in our pain? Or do we curse God when we are in pain? This is actually what Job's wife wanted him to do. She told him, curse God and die. Curse God and die for all the suffering that you're experiencing. But Job said, for I know that my Redeemer lives and he shall stand at last on the earth. He never was traumatized with all that happened. It was painful, yes. It was difficult, yes. He would have wished more than anything to, 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 to be free from the pain. But he never even wished to die. Right? He, w- he endured it and said, God has some reason for it. I don't understand it. But I will not curse God. Right? There, is, there is some reason. So for us to understand this is to understand that to have faith in God means that we have faith in whatever he allows. Whatever he allows. And that whatever he allows is better than what I would have chosen. And this is very difficult. It's very difficult to say that the pain that God had allowed in my life is actually better than if it hadn't happened. How can we say that? When we look at the suffering we experience and say, you know what, it's better this way. It's better the way that God chose rather than my choice. Very difficult. But this is what faith is. Faith is to say, God, you know better than me. Allow whatever it is you allow. Use whatever it is you're going to use. Refine me however you want to refine me because my greatest desire is to be refined. My greatest desire is to be with God, is to be glorified and to, 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 to glorify God in myself. That is my greatest desire. If truly God is our greatest desire, I'm willing to achieve it through any means. Whatever you want. If you want it through blessing, let it be through blessing. If you want it through the cross, let it be through the cross. Whatever way I want to be with you, whichever way, whether you are resurrected in heaven, whether you are on the cross, whether you are being beaten, wherever it is, I want to be where you are and endure whatever you endured. And because, of course, Christ is the perfect example of someone who endured suffering and he endured it in glory. He endured it with love. He endured it with intention. He was never a victim. Christ was never a victim. Even as he was a prisoner, even as they beat him, even as they crucified him, yet he was never a victim because for him, it was his intention to go through this. This is what he wanted to do because he knew that this was the way of salvation for all of us. And so maybe for us, when we deal with our painful circumstances, we can look at it in a different way. Instead of seeing myself as a victim, instead of seeing like these people did such and such to me, or I am suffering because of something out of my control, I say, no, this is not out of control. It is in God's control. And God chose it for me. And this is a cross that I carry. And the cross has a reward, has a glory that comes with it. And maybe I will never know what that is. But there is something good. There is something that God has chosen for me. How can all these circumstances affect us? All these painful circumstances? Well, certainly if I have trauma and painful experiences in my life that I have not dealt with, it can affect my relationship with others, right? It can affect the way that I see myself, the way I see my relationship with others, the way that I interact with others. It's all about the pain. My pain is affecting everyone around me through some way. Whether I have, you know, certain characteristics in my personality as a result of the pain that I experience, whether I, 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 I cannot trust people, maybe this is something else affecting my relationship. Two, my, maybe I have low self-esteem. Maybe if I experience rejection like Joseph did, I feel like I am, you know, if, if all of my brothers deemed me 
so unworthy and so unlovable that they were to sell me as a slave. Maybe I'm just, I'm not lovable. There's no one who can love me. There's no one who can care about me. My identity is affected through these painful experiences. Maybe they make me to hate God. I see him as my enemy. If God truly were there and he was truly loving, as he said, then why would he even allow such a thing to happen to me? Fearing the future. Maybe I say, you know what? If, the, if my past life was so difficult, then my future life must be exactly the same. It is just as bad, just as evil, just as painful, and makes me afraid of my future. But maybe my future is completely different than my past. Maybe what God allowed in my past was for a reason, and the future is completely different. Maybe my future is going to be full of peace and joy. We don't know. Apathy and hatred toward others. Maybe I have no love in my heart for anyone because I don't trust them, because I don't want good for them, because I'm spending all of my time self-focused. I'm, I'm always focusing on my wounds, on treating myself, that I'm not able to share myself with anyone. I'm not able to show love to others because I myself feel unloved. Isolating myself, not being able to have relationships, not wanting to take risks, afraid of failure. All of these things, if I have painful, traumatic experiences in my life that I have not dealt with, Maybe all of these things can manifest in me. What can we do? 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Meaning, God is saying to us, these trials, and these are the words that he is saying, are light. Light. As hard as they might feel to us, in his estimation, they are light. And he's not saying that to make light of our pain. He is saying the, the glory that you will receive from your pain is far greater than you can imagine, is far greater than you can perceive. What you will receive from your light affliction that I have allowed in your life is working an eternal weight of glory, meaning the smallest pinprick here is going to produce for you an eternity of joy. Why? Maybe I don't know the answer. Maybe I don't know. What is it that God is changing in my heart through adversity that needs to change, that needs to be refined, so that my eternity is secure, so that my eternity is far more glorious? But this is what he is saying. He's saying what the pain you're experiencing now is going to produce an unbelievable amount of glory, even in the examples that we said, right? Joseph, his pain led to the salvation of the entire world, that without him having to go through that, and becoming the ruler of Egypt, then he would have never had the opportunity to save the world. Job, we look at him as an example of faith and endurance. you know. And by the end of Job, he said what? I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Meaning, even his relationship with God, like I knew of you, I believed in you, I worshipped you. But now the, my relationship that I have with you after having gone through all this suffering is a completely different thing. It's like I see you so clearly now. I understand you so clearly now. This is eternal glory. Um, these trials, they purify us, right? They change us. They make us to see life in a different way. They make us to appreciate the things maybe that we have. And, and while the period of suffering might be very painful, after we are done, maybe like the prodigal son, we are actually more appreciative of what we have than even before. The prodigal son, after he returned from all his suffering and all his sin was actually a far happier man than he was before. Because maybe he, the f originally he lived in the house, he had everything he could ever want, but he appreciated none of it. He was just upset. He said, no, I, I don't have any freedom. 
give me what is mine and I will go live my life the way that I want. When he came back to the house, he came back to the same house with the same father. Everything is the same. But now he is seeing it with different eyes. He's seeing like, this is, this is beautiful. This is, this is everything that I would want. So even though his circumstance went back to the way it was, but he was different. He was changed. We talk about all things have become new. What is it that becomes new is us. I become new. And when I become new, even though the world hasn't become new, the world is the same world that it was from the beginning. But when I become new, I see the world in a different light. I see it in a completely different way. So in conclusion, in Isaiah 41, it says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And to always remind ourselves that even in the midst of pain and suffering that God is with us, whether it be present suffering or whether it be suffering that we experience in our past and that God is calling us to let it go, to let go of it. Don't hold on to it. Find forgiveness. Find um, comfort in God. Find purpose in even what has happened to us, even if we don't know the reason, but believe. Believe that there is purpose. Believe there is reason. Believe that everything that led up to this moment, there was a cause and a reason for it. That even God turns the, the, the evil intentions of other people, like Joseph's brothers, even that he can turn it to good. That he takes death that everyone intended for Christ to kill him, to murder him, to see him suffer, and he turned that into the salvation of the world. So if God can do those things for those people, and even for our own salvation, to turn death into life, imagine how much he can turn all of our pain, all of our suffering, all of our sin, everything that we have done, turn it into life for us, to turn it into purpose for us, and to allow us to lead a life that is very different than what came before, and that we don't have to live in fear. And glory be to God forever. Amen. Any questions or comments? Yes. No, I, I wouldn't say that you lose the blessing. But even as we carry the cross begrudgingly, um, God is calling us to, to reevaluate it and to look at it differently. No one of us is going to carry a cross and instantly be so happy and joyful that we're carrying it, right? It's a struggle. It's a struggle that maybe we struggle with for a lifetime. So definitely no. It's not that, it's not that because we are um, resisting it and that we don't want it and we're upset about it, it doesn't mean that we don't receive the blessing. But sometimes we focus so much of our energy on I want to end the cross. I want to end it. Where, where God is saying is, no, I don't want to end it. I want you to, to be able to endure it victoriously. And, end, and, and, and enduring it victoriously means I accept this cross. I accept that. It, maybe one day God will end it. Maybe one day God will remove it. But even if it doesn't get removed, and while I'm still in it, I will learn to be content with it and see the good in it. Um, instead of putting all my energy on just saying, God, remove it from me, remove it from me, remove it from me. When St. Paul asked Christ to remove the thorn in his side, Christ said no. And so uh, we never hear him ask for that again. It's like, okay, I accept it. I accept that this is here. I will do what I can with it, and I will learn to accept the good things that come from it. And that's not easy. That's, that's something that requires like strong spiritual growth in order to, to, to reach that, but that will actually bring us peace. Blessings bring about sin.
it's not that the blessing is what's inviting sin, but when when the devil wants to take every good thing and twist it into evil, right? So that like everything good that God made, the devil wants to take it and twist it. So for instance, if God blesses us with wealth as a good thing, the devil wants to come and twist it, be like, no, now you will be attached to the money. The God blesses us with, for instance, sexuality, which is a gift that God gave. The devil comes and wants to twist it, be like, no, we're going to turn this into something evil, something, something that is destructive, rather than ha give it the original intent that God made it for, right? This is the way that he gets us to sin. Actually, if you think about every temptation that there is, every temptation is is the devil taking something that God intended for good and twisting it to evil, right? So it is not that the blessing itself is sin. It's that we are, we are easily tempted and we, are, we easily become attached to the thing that God gives. And when we become attached to the thing that God gives, we, we, we lose our sense of how God wanted us to use it and we're not willing to, um, like we're not, we're not willing or able to use it in the right way. Any other comment, question? Okay, let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. We thank you, O Lord, for this day. We ask, O Lord, for your blessings at all times. We thank you because you promise to make us new day by day, and that even though the circumstances around us and the world around us don't change, but that you have allowed us to change and to be transformed. We ask, O oh Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit working in us and your grace to change us and transform us and help us, O oh Lord, to see you day by day more clearly and to realize that we have a purpose and that there is a plan in our life, to let go of past pain in our life and past mistakes and to believe, O oh Lord, that we truly are redeemed and that you forgive us of every mistake and every sin when we come to you with a genuine heart of repentance. Through the prayers of St. Mary, Archangel Michael, St. Paul, St. Mark, and all your saints, here is as we pray thankfully, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In Christ Jesus our Lord, for thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. The love of God, the Father, the grace of the only begotten Son, our Lord God and Savior Jesus Christ, the communion, the gift of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. The peace of the Lord be with you all. Amen.